See, you've labeled them as schizophrenic. That means it's a mental problem. They're mentally challenged. Why? Because they hear voices. Well, what if they are? Well, they aren't. That's your worldview. You, you didn't eliminate that because it can't be. You eliminated that because that crosses your worldview and you're not giving on your worldview. What if your worldview is wrong? the All of Life show. I'm your host, Stuart White, along with my lovely wife, Alicia White. Well, hey, if you guys tuned in to our previous episode on spiritual warfare, specifically our interview with Pastor Carl Payne, who is the author of the book by the same name, Spiritual Warfare, you guys are in for a treat because this is part two. Babe, what is coming up in future episodes? Next, next week, we have a really fun episode with Pastor Darren Tyler, and it's all about how a, a very successful music manager ended up becoming a pastor in Middle Tennessee. Make sure to catch part one of Spiritual Warfare if you haven't already. Enjoy part two, and tune in next week for our interview with Pastor Darren Tyler. All right, without further ado, here is our part two of the interview with Carl Payne. I want to shift into kind of that first part. We kind of were just laying groundwork on biblical principles, world of flesh, the devil, um, the the idea of spiritual warfare more than anything, um, establishing that. I want to get to more of the practical application, things like the church's response. We've talked a little bit about that, but... Uh, in particular, the thing I want to move into is how many of our common issues in your experience would you, and I know this is entirely subjective, sure. how many of those things would you say are what the world has attributed to this is this addiction or this is this chemical imbalance or this is this mental health, mental health thing? And it's only because they have eliminated the possibility of there being other explanations. Like, uh, it's, you know, uh, what is the book? Uh, 1984. They've changed up things like two plus two is five. And you have to say that. And it's like, but it's not. But you have to say it. And when you've eliminated one of the answers, the only right answer, then you're never going to be close. You you might even be like within an inch, but you're still going to miss it. And the further you go down that trail, I think that people just end up uh, completely separated, you know, the further you move away. Uh, I see that a lot, but I'm curious from you. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I I wanted to really just move into what do you see when you're dealing with people who they come in with a a porn addiction or they come in with a drug addiction or they come in with uh, some sort of sexual behavior addiction or anger or rage or anxiety, depression, depression. even, even like schizophrenia, it's something close to me. I I have people in my life who deal with mental health uh, Mm -hmm. issues and that's what the category they've categorized it as, but they don't, I, I hear this and I start to go, that sounds demonic. It sounds like you're not really, yeah. it's not your mental health. It's, it, I mean, it is, but it's not unwell because of something inside. It's unwell because it sounds like you're hearing whispers of sorts that are telling you I, lies. I got you. Yeah. It's a tremendous question. Tremendous question. Uh, let me give you a, 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 a thought, an idea, and then I'll 
I'll dive into your question, and again, you can steer it any way you want to go. First, I thought about this. Get a hold of your program. Get a hold of Dr. Mike Schill. Mm. He's a clinical psychologist. He's very aware of demonic warfare. He's got a book coming out that's going to be fantastic. Mm. I know because I've already read the the you know a publisher's copy of it, mm. and uh, but he knows all the lingo. He's been trained with all the lingo, and he's spent years and years. He he taught uh, clinical psychology at at uh, uh, Tozer Seminary in Reading. And I flew up one day, he said, can you give me four hours if I fly up on a Saturday and help me understand this spiritual warfare stuff? Because there's something else going on besides, he said, we're trained to deal with physiological things and mental things, but there's something else out there. And he said, many of us as counselors know it, but we aren't trained to deal with it. We don't know what to call it. So we label it and we try and work with it, but our people, the people aren't getting helped. And he said, I want to know what this is about. I read your book. So I'm saying very honest, very straightforward, very bright. Get a hold of him sometime. If you okay. want contact information, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say, first, there are people out there that can be a help. See, I'll get calls sometimes from folks and say, well, since you're trained in divinity and you're trained as a pastor, how can you know anything about that question? Why should we take anything serious You know about what you say? I say, you don't have to. You can do whatever you choose to do. I can just tell you what I've seen working with this for about 40 years, and it's very, very consistent. I see that. And plus, there's a whole trail of people uh, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, preachers, uh, Christian counselors. I've worked with so many now that'll say it was real. It's off my back. And you know what? I got my life back. And so I say, you can deny all of that and say they're all frauds and they're all set up if you want to, but that's, I, I'm, that's your, that's your call. Uh, that's not mine. Um, so at any rate, back, back, back to, uh, to more of the question. I am sympathetic, and here's what I was going to say first to the non-Christian that says none of the gods and stuff make sense to me. I mean, I, I believe in as much as, as of God and, and the devil and demons and, and, uh, and angels as I do leprechauns and unicorns. I mean, it's just childish, a waste of time. If you are a naturalist, and if you've been trained as a naturalist, why would you even consider a supernatural option? Because that's just fraud. That's just not real. So I'm saying even though I don't agree with them, at least I understand when someone is consistent with their worldview, and I'm a naturalist, I understand why you would think anything we talk about doesn't have to just be demons. It can be Jesus and salvation and a Jewish carpenter risen from the dead. They go, that doesn't happen. Dead people are so that's just all silly. In other words, to all, it just none of it makes sense. I get it, Stuart. The one that I have more struggle with is the one who says I'm a theist and I believe that God can raise the dead and and I believe Jesus confronted demons, the apostles confronted demons and angels. I mean, both of them. Why would I say I'm a theist, but I live and counsel just like an atheist, just like a naturalist? And what I have watched happen, you said subjective, because that's what it is. Mm. It's my subjective interaction, just like yours, is that most of the people that come see me have been people that have been involved with counselors, some Christian, some non-Christian. They've been given a label. The person yesterday told, told me right away, you know, how they'd been labeled. Uh, you know, if I've been labeled schizophrenic, it means I hear voices. Since I'm not really hearing voices, because people don't hear voices, or it doesn't have to just be hearing voices. I hear voices, or I get thoughts, or I get these ideas, or I get these mental impressions. But since none of that's real, 
then you're obviously mentally off. And and either we can fix you all together or maybe we just, you know, get again, give you pills that'll dull it down to where you can accommodate it, you know, you can live with it, but it's not real. And so when I have people tell me I've been labeled, I, I've worked with more people labeled schizophrenic, more people bipolar, more people manic, uh, more, more people depressed, uh, you know, just different things, and some of them are. I, I say in that book over and over, I believe there are issues that are simply physical. They're simply psychological. And they don't have to come see somebody like me, and they don't have to see me anyway. If they understand Christ in you, people can take care of things themselves if it's spiritual. They really can. But what I have suggested is the naturalist has been trained to deal with two issues typically, the, the material and the, and, the, and the mental. They don't even recognize the existence of the third. Christians that will actually not only read their Bible, but stand on their Bible ought to be willing to say, and see, that's where I say, I mean this, God bless my charismatic brothers. I remember when James Dobson one day said, God bless Roman Catholics, and in 73 we're standing against abortion while us Protestants were sitting on our hands. And I wish we'd have been there. Well, I would say, God bless my charismatic brothers that were saying, no, this is real. Mm instead of us sitting on our hands and just rolling our eyes. It would have been nice if we say, you know, be Bereans. If Scripture talks about it, then deal with it. If Scripture, it, you don't have a biblical basis for it, I don't care how many times you told me God told me. I'm not locking arms with you if what you're saying is contrary to Scripture. I won't do it. But when someone says to me, because I've been labeled, and it's either a physiological issue or a mental issue, that's for that's who I am and what I am, and then when they tell me in the next breath that I've been dealing with this for, you know, 25 years, you know, at 200 bucks a pop, and I still hear those voices, I still, whatever it is, I'm going, is it possible that maybe you're dealing with something else? Well, I have a label. I go, I know. And oftentimes those labels mean I don't know how you get it. I don't really understand it. But we see enough people that are dealing with it that it must be real, so we'll give it a label. And, and then once we tell you, you know, you've got a label, then you can be at ease. I had, I'll give you a quick, you know, again, I'm qualifying. I'm not saying everybody with narcolepsy is dealing with demons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? But the first time I worked with someone with narcolepsy, I just thought, this is odd. We don't know how you get it. You don't know how you get rid of it. So we give you uppers to keep you awake all day long. And then we give you sleeping pills so you can get some sleep at night. And you live that way and you don't like it, and there's nothing you can do about it because you were labeled as having a sleeping disorder. You got narcolepsy. I had a deacon from a very prominent church walk up to me and say, have you ever dealt with narcolepsy? I said, yeah. Is it always demonic? I said, I can't say that. I couldn't qualify that it always is. There may be psychological, physiological elements to it that I don't even understand. I'm a preacher. Uh, I'm not a paid counselor. I'm a preacher. Uh, but the price is right, so if you want me to share it with you, I'll tell you what I understand. If you like it, we can deal with it. If you don't, you can walk out the door, right? But at any rate, so this deacon comes in. First, he tells me he was adopted. Second, he tells me that his mother was Native American. So I start putting some of these things. He says he grew up with the shamanism and the tribalism and all that kind of stuff. And, and he said from the time he was very little, you know, the whole thing about voices and spirits was just a part of his life. And he said, uh, you know, I became a Christian, but this stuff with that sleeping, he said, it just end up 
it just it just wipes you out. And I said, well, I don't know whether it is or isn't, but I said we can find out. So we, like I talk in the book, and we laid down ground rules. We went after it, and boom! As soon as I challenged, if there were demons involved with this narcolepsy, uh, you know they're going to come forward right away. What's your job? We want to kill him. How are you trying to kill him? Because he gets such bad sleep and stuff, we don't want him eventually to take his own life because he just totally gives up. Because we've we so we dealt with that, told it to go. His wife calls me about three weeks later, and she says, whatever y'all talked about, all I know is I have a new husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I No more amphetamine jacking him up during the day, no more sleeping pills at night. I mean, it's just like he's a, it's, he's new. It's, it's, now, that wasn't like a one-month fix uh, years and years ago. So what am I saying? Uh, because he'd been labeled, uh, there was a community that was just going to keep him on uppers and sleeping pills the rest of his life. If that's necessary, I am not opposed to good counselors. I'm not opposed to doctors. Oftentimes when people come in, I'll say, have you seen a doctor? Have you checked if there's chemical things going on? Have you seen a counselor? Now, I would suggest a Christian counselor. Even there, you don't have a guarantee that they'll have a theistic. They may have a theistic worldview, but if their practice is all naturalist, you're not getting anything different other than a platitude. Well, you know, I know you think this is real. I just kind of don't. But but if you've got a theist who will actually say everything isn't demonic, but everything isn't physiological and everything isn't mental, let's see if we can sort through this. Maybe there's a reason why the naturalists didn't get to it because they were never dealing with the real thing in the first place. So what am I saying? I'm saying all three can be real. Sometimes they overlap. But I have watched things back to where you were going. I don't know that there's any of those labels. There may be. A DID. Now they call, we used to call it, you know, multiple personalities. Now we call it DID. I've worked with people with DID. It was demonic. I'm not saying that everybody labeled that way there may very well be mental issues that has nothing to do with demons. But schizophrenic, I, I ask, what if they really are hearing voices? See, you've labeled them as schizophrenic. That means it's a mental problem. They're mentally challenged. Why? Because they hear voices. Well, what if they are? Well, they aren't. That's your worldview. You, you didn't eliminate that because it can't be. You eliminated that because that crosses your worldview, and you're not giving on your worldview. What if your worldview is wrong? So, yeah, can I qualify it? No. Have I seen all three? Yes. Have I seen where some of them overlap? Yes. Have I seen people who have been labeled for years and just learned to accept it? Because who wants to work against the people that have labeled you? And yet, there's never any relief. All there is is what I said earlier. There's mocking. Kill yourself. Doctors didn't help you. Counselors didn't help you. Preachers didn't help you. Jesus doesn't help you. You're beyond help, so just die. And that's where a number of those people end up landing. Carl, it just breaks your heart. It absolutely breaks your heart. does. Yes. You, um, in part one of this topic, uh, at the end, you were discussing how um, the the enemy, well, I don't know if you were discussing this or if I was thinking it, but, but the enemy adapts to um when you guys were talking about the the differences of like in military forms and and how we deal with that and the enemy adapts to to our um strategies which is how i 
or the reason why I believe that spiritual warfare now in our Western culture looks a lot different than it does in different cultures and also in Bible times. But you also mentioned, um, or I was, I was thinking during that, I was thinking scripture says that, that, that Satan is the author of confusion, right? And as you're talking now in part two of this, uh, it's so interesting to me how Satan can take an existing issue, like we may have issues of addiction or alcoholism or, or as you mentioned, schizophrenia. He can take existing issues and he can attack those areas, which is very clever, so that we, instead of going to the Lord or um, or thinking that it, this is a spiritual realm, we immediately throw a medication at it, as you were saying. Um, so, so in, in Christian counseling in, um, and, and the church, like how can we rally around people who are dealing with whether this is, well, first of all, how can we tell the difference between whether it is a, a spiritual warfare issue or a, a natural issue? Um, and then, and then how can we proceed when we have like us as a church, when we're helping other church members, church body members, like move through issues like this? Okay. Um, I'll give you two answers to that. Again, your, your guys' questions are good, really <laughs> good questions. Um, I would say, one, encourage people. Mike Schill is not alone. I, I've worked with a number, a number of, of counselors. I get counselors that come talk with me saying, I think this is real. I don't know how to deal with this. Can you walk me through this? Then I'll get notes saying, I'm now working with this. I'm using this. It's really true, world, flesh, and devil. So first, don't be afraid of a counselor that's finally willing to say, the paradigm isn't sacrosanct. Let's find out if there's other other answers out there. You know, support that kind of thing. Now, if they go outside of scripture, then no, I'm not, I'm not with you. But, but saying I'm going to stand where Jesus in the New Testament stands is hardly being, you know, a fanatical extremist. Let me give you a verse, and then I'll, I'll, I promise I'll get back to your question, or if I forget it because I'm an old geezer, you can bring me back to it. I thought about a Second Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 4. It's a verse that people that like to belittle this whole thing conveniently skip almost every time because it so works against their basic paradigm. And you think about it. Paul says in verse 1, put up with me, I'm your spiritual dad. Verse 2, uh, I'm the one who led you to Christ. You are walking in purity in your devotion to Christ. So are we talking to Christians? The answer is yes. Are we talking about flaky Christians who don't appreciate their salvation? Not if they are walking in purity in their devotion to Christ. But then he says, I'm concerned for you, at least just as Satan deceived Eve through her mind. You are being deceived. And then it's almost like a rhetorical, what are you talking about? Well, you're now talking about a Jesus that I didn't teach you about. You're now involved with spirits other than the one you received. You received the Holy Spirit at conversion, says Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When you believe, he sealed you. So if you're now involved with spirits other than the one you had received, that's not good. And you're promoting a gospel that I never preached to you. And then in four, you're passive about it. I don't get it. Well, he was just talking to dumb, flaky people who sloppy agape and, you know, if they just knew the No, he actually says, I led you to Christ. I know how to do that. You were walking in purity in your devotion to Christ. I recognize that. But you became deceived in your mind, just like the serpent deceived Eve. And I asked myself, where does Paul say the primary battle is with demonic entities? Hmm. 
it's just like for Eve, it was in the mind. Is God really good? Yeah. And I'll get you doubting that. So what I'm suggesting is how would people who are walking in purity and devotion end up with a different Jesus? I've had people tell me about all kinds of Jesus. It's just not the one from not the one from Nazareth. Or spirits other than the one you had received, or promoting a gospel. Uh you know, it's, it's it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the biblical message for salvation. We find many fine Christian brothers and sisters that want to add a lot of different hoops to that. And I'm saying you can add the hoops because that's your hobby horse, but Scripture doesn't add those hoops. So, so wh- where I'm going is I'm saying first, I think I think you're right that the I'm saying more than ninety percent. I don't know what the figure would be, but the people I work with, it's mental. Mm. I do work with people where where the problem is physical, and I've watched people where we dealt with it and the physical issues were gone. And it stopped. Mm. Welcome to demonic warfare. Luke 13, the woman was bent over 18 years by what? A spirit. Mm. When Jesus set her free, apparently she stepped back up again and started walking straight instead of bent over. When Paul says there's an angel from Satan buffeting me in 2 Corinthians 12, he, he doesn't say that's a metaphor. He says, three times I asked, God, can you make this stop? And he says, my grace is sufficient because I allowed you to be elevated looking into a third heaven. I've got to have a way of keeping your feet planted on, you know, on the ground so at least you exalt yourself. But he says, there was an angel from Satan, a demon, buffeting me, clearly touching him somehow. I'm not going to get lost in the weeds arguing how he was doing it, but he clearly says he was. I'm going, both of those are believers. A da- this daughter of Abraham? Galatians 3, 7 says, if you're a true believer, we're children of Abraham. When Jesus identifies the, the woman in Luke 13 as a daughter of Abraham, she was a believer. And yet she was still being attacked. So when someone says, how do you tell the difference? And here's really your question. When it's mental uh, or when it's demonic? And sometimes I, I've, I've said that's a, that's a million-dollar question because sometimes it's really clean. Sometimes it's not really clean. But I'll give you something that I've learned to look for as I'm prying. And I don't tell the people typically what I'm prying for. I'm trying to find out, you know, what's really going on. But when I say, when I have someone who, if I, I ask this question, I should, a, a, a real counselor would probably have a much fancier question than mine. Uh, mine's just, I'm, I'm a pastor who's trying to be a help. But I'll say, if I could climb into your brain and hear what you're listening to on a regular basis, what would I hear? I'll say, don't give me the worst day, don't give me the best day, just what's a typical day like? And when I start hearing things like, Jesus doesn't love me, uh, I'm not sure if he ever did, maybe I prayed a prayer but it didn't work. At church, all they're gonna do is hurt you because they're just trying to use you. Um, I don't have any Christian friends. Uh, My prayers, it's a waste of time because it bounces off the ceiling. Uh, I, I try to read my Bible, but there's so much confusion. I'm just tired. I can read a novel for three hours at a crack, but I fall asleep in 10 minutes trying to read my Bible. It's just a constantly a battle, and I'm just tired. When I have someone say that's the, I mean, it can be a lot of different things, but that kind of thing uh, going through, I am very suspicious. I have worked with people that are just psychotic. And I find very different people. I don't find consistent people. I've had psychotic people uh, in Spokane. It was eight north. Uh, you know, I mean, there's different here, western state here, different ones. 
But it's like, it's not something that is consistently focused on how either I am inadequate to live as a Christian or Jesus is inadequate to be my savior. And almost all the frustration is around my failures as a Christian. And, and then when someone says to me this, I've had people say this, Carl, the Bible talks about a fiery arrow that can burn you. Well, when I look out the window, the window is just filled with arrows. And if I put my shield up, I get whacked down here. If I put my shield down, I get whacked up here. If I put my shield behind me, I get blasted here. If I put my shield in front of me, it's like there's no escaping it. It's just debilitating. It never turns off. When I have somebody tell me, it just doesn't turn off. Demons are not kind enough to bother you once a year. Especially if it's around a time a loved one died or you lost a job or something like that. Must be a a demon of depression because I feel depressed. No, one of your parents died or your sister died and around that time you start feeling bluey and then I go, that's not how, demons are not polite enough to say I'll bother you once a year. They gang up on you. They're like ones where you see the picture of someone going down and then everyone just starts kicking you because they want to destroy you, right? That's that's the game. So if I have someone saying to me, it, it, as they're talking, it's just all over the board. And it doesn't usually focus at all on their faith or on Jesus. Um, they're, they're not involved in any. They have no interest in that. I'm typically thinking not the way demons usually work. When I have someone, and again, Christian, remember the subtitle of my book, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. I work with non-Christians, but most of the people I work with are Christians. And yet there's that constant focus on how I never measure up. I just don't. I'm just depressed. I'm saying when it's something that is on and off, uh, not typically demons, at least I'm not suspecting that, uh, if it's something where it's very consistent, I'm saying that's pretty much how they work. Uh, if it's something that's all over the board, I'm going to say, I've got a counselor friend that I really want you to go talk to because I think they can be a lot more help to you than I am. So what's is there a simple answer or a shorter answer? I think it's just the focus of those arrows. When they're occasional, I'm usually going one direction. Um, when those thoughts are all over a board, I'm usually going another direction. When they are just a constant focus fixation on you and your adequacy in Christ and his adequacy to love you and protect you, my radar goes up. When you're talking, I'm hearing this line, this story that you told in your book that was the most impactful one that I heard. And that was when you were working with a woman who was a believer, I believe her husband came first and that, no, it, she came in first and then her husband came later. I might be getting the stories mixed up, but um, you asked you asked the, the woman and when you were speaking to the, um, the demon who was demonizing her, you said, when did you, when did you come? When did you show up? the response was when she began to believe that Jesus wasn't enough. And I think that moved me so much. And that is why, um, that's why when we say the gospel is for all of life and, and this is why Jesus 
when you believe that Jesus is not enough, when you begin to believe that Jesus is not enough, you're opening up yourself to these spiritual attacks is what I believe. And, um, and I just, I wanted to reiterate that, 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 uh, the first way we as believers can begin to uh, fight our enemy is to believe that Jesus is enough. Yeah. I, very, very good comment. I mean, I am complete in Christ, says Paul in the book of Colossians. I have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, says Paul in Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. If I have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, says the Bible, and yet I have friends at church, usually well-meaning, saying, well, you know, you're half a Christian, but you're not really a Christian because you can't really experience God's power until... And then it's usually about their gift of choice or the dream they have or whatever it is. I'm saying you're asking me to believe either what you're telling me or what Jesus uh, says, what the Holy Spirit inspired, and I'm going to be a Berean. And you're exactly right in that story. She called out for it because she was willing to believe Christ isn't enough. And the demons were very clear. When she didn't think Christ was enough, we were more than willing to give her more. She just didn't get the more she thought she was getting. And the irony of it to me was in that story that I told, her husband, who was an elder there in the Spokane area at one of the churches, came in, and it was so funny to me. Because, see, I didn't ask her to come into my office. She asked to come in and talk to me. And she had said, years ago, I thought this was great, but now I just feel like something isn't quite right. So when the husband comes in to school me and, and lets me know, listen, I'm, I'm glad you helped my wife. Well, that was better than you know, trying to throw a rock at me or something. Uh, was I just figured he was just going to blow up. But when he comes in and he says, but I want you to know that people can have lots of sign gifts and it can be very real from God. And I said, well, I never said it couldn't be. Why, why are you assuming I'm a cessationist? I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in your wife's situation, she was concerned enough she wanted to come in. He says, well, I just want to do this to prove you. I said, well, then we're not going to even talk because there's no, you don't have to prove anything to me. And then he said, well, I've been an elder in this church for more than 20 years, you know, his church. And, and he said, and I have some of the same gifts that my wife had. And he said, well, now I'm really curious. So we tested it just like they did with the wife. And I, I said, what, what's, it was de demonic. And, and I said, what's your purpose? And it was, he now focuses on the gift instead of the giver. And he just, you know, he started weeping. He just goes, I just know what I'd heard. I was taught, I say... I'm not at war with anybody in any church unless they won't stand on the inerrancy and the gospel. I don't care what church you go to. That's not an issue for me. But I say, when you open yourself up like your wife did, or you just accept stuff in and assume it's got to be good, someone you know, someone said it was good, I, I go, be a Berean. The thing that was interesting, I don't remember if I wrote it in the book or not, their pastor called me. Now remember, I didn't ask either one of them to come in. They came to me. They said, hey, I've heard about some of the work you're doing. I've got some concerns, blah, blah. Pastor calls me and he says, do you know how bad you're making me look? <laughs> and I oh, said, man. so your response to one of your elders and one of your families, two adults, wonderful, wonderful Christian people, is to come after me because it's making you look bad? I said, how about... You say, apparently, I have involved some of the people in my church in something that I don't fully understand. And when John says, test the spirits to see if they're of God, I said, do you test the spirits? 
And he said, well, we don't have to. I said, why? Because he said, well, we know our people and they're real nice people. So as long as someone is a real nice person, you can just accept whatever's going on has to be the Holy Spirit. And I basically said, I have not gone public. I haven't, to this day, people don't know what church it was. They don't know the names of those people because I changed, I've never tried to, when people make fun of Christians, we all get slapped with it. So I, I don't have any desire to see Christians get slapped. But when your response is, this makes me look bad, you know, so you got to stop doing what you're doing. I'm suggesting, how about you figure out how to discern the difference between what's real and what's not, because there's plenty out there that isn't real, and it makes sense. Why would Satan try and imitate something that's not real and no one would buy anyway? I don't see a lot of phony $3 bills, <laughs> but there's a lot of 20s out there and 50s that are faked. That, that just makes sense to me. So, yes. And you're 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 you got the point of that. When she she started looking for something else because Christ wasn't enough. I had another one say, not the same person, not even the same gift. And uh, uh, well, it included that, but it was something else. Um, but but said to me when people with a gift of transference were laying hands on them and could convey any gift they wanted, I've just said, I got no war with my charismatic brothers, but. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Hebrews 2, 3 and 4, Holy Spirit gives gifts. Verse 18, God gives gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 23, God gives gifts. Verse 28, God appoints in the church with the gifting. And now you're telling me that you can give me any gift that I want. It's a smorgasbord for me to choose. I said, does God not know how to do his job? How, are you, how, do, how do you tell people that gifting is of your choice if you have the faith to believe it? When the Bible says the Holy Spirit, if he does it perfectly, he doesn't make mistakes. So I, I remember when I had one say, uh, uh, when did you take it? And I said, he said, when he called on me. He called on me. Wow. And again, just mocking. You know, he thought he was getting more. I gave him more. Just wasn't what he thought he was getting. Now, again, I know more what more he's saying that all of my charismatic brothers are involved with demons than I'm saying everybody who has been diagnosed with a label of schizophrenic or narcolepsy or, you know, whatever. The very, I'm not saying that. I can't qualify that. I would not say that. But again, I'm saying because someone says it's so, if it's a Christian, compare it to Scripture. And because someone says it's so because they give you a label, I'm saying find out if they really know anything about it. And when the bottom line is, don't know how you get it, don't know how you get rid of it, we actually don't see people get rid of it, but we'll just try and give you a way of, of, of uh, making it tolerable. There are sometimes that's necessary. I want, as a Christian, I want to know more about what is this really about? Where's it coming from? Could it be supernatural? I don't know. We made fun of it. Maybe that was the wrong thing to make fun of. That's just as wrong as the person who says everything is demonic. I sneeze. That was a demon. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a demon. Demon of my coffee cup. I'm going. I no more appreciate that than I do the person on the other side that says nothing is demonic. Yeah, there's such a balance that has to be. It's not even balance, but the tension that things live between, and. And I think ultimately that tension is answered, like you've said, in the Word of God. We have the truth of Scripture. We know what God has said on these things. And if it makes us uncomfortable, we have to decide, am I uncomfortable because Scripture's wrong or am I misunderstanding this? 
or am I wrong? And do I need to bend my knee to scripture? Carl, what is great, um, great comment? What can a Christian do, a believer who wants to grow and mature in this? Um, I, I know an obvious one would be, I, and I would recommend this go get Carl's book, Spiritual Warfare. <laughs> Listen to it on audio, read it, Thanks. go through it a few times. Um, but what are, what are some other things? How can they do this and both protect them, protect them from going what C.S. Lewis, you know, calls that over interest in the demonic mm-hmm. or in a complete ignorant, ignorant and, and avoidance of it, the, the two equal errors there. Good. Let me give you a couple ideas. Again, good question. Uh, one, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it by inference. If you saw my office or any office I've had since Spokane, in 82, and I was kind of exposed to all of this. I never put out a shingle that says exorcist is in. You know, put your nickel on the table and we'll talk. Um, I approach ministry as a minister, and I tell other ministers, missionaries this, and I would say butcher, baker, candlestick maker, radio host, whatever. Make the thing about demonic just be one more arrow in your quiver. I don't know how to have a Bible study. Then I better be able to talk about what's the difference between reading my Bible and having a Bible study. I don't understand assurance of my faith. I'm a, I, God loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves, can I deal with that? How do I lead someone to Christ? I mean, I'm so used to people making fun of my gospel that when someone actually says, I'd like to become a Christian, then I just stand there with my eyes open going, what? You really do? And then I'm going, well, uh, 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 uh. In other words, I need to understand how do you deal with so many so questions that come up all the time, so many different needs. I'll say allow the thing with the spiritual warfare. It doesn't, it doesn't consume my quiver of arrows. It's just one just arrow. And as long as you just make it one arrow, or I've used, I've used sometimes a pie, I'll say just make it one piece of the pie. Because when it becomes a hobby horse and that's all you fixate on, after a while, people don't want to talk to you anyway. It's like... Yeah, I know. Everything's demonic, or everything is about sign gifts, or everything is about. Is a, do I go to church on Saturday night instead of mm. Sunday morning? Or I mean, what wherever your little hobby horse is, we can't ever get. I, I don't want. I don't be there, yeah. because I don't. I, in other words, I want to be able to. If I would rather have God say, Carl, I can use you. I can use you. I can use you. No, I can't use you there because I haven't trained you. That I can use you. I can use you. Instead of going, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, maybe. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, maybe once again. Once. In other words, the more I learn the Second Timothy two two, the more I can give away. So that's the first thing. Just don't make it a hobby horse where it's it's all you see. It's not all demonic. That's wrong. But none of it's demonic. That's wrong too. Just just so so that that would be one way I would say. Just kind of by inference that I have tried to. To, to learn how to work with this. The second one I would say is, I want books about this stuff that are biblically based. Yeah. Not I had a dream and I have a feeling. Yeah. Because I have run into too much deception with that. With that. I like Fred Dickinson as a writer. I like Mark Bubeck as a writer. Uh, I like uh, Neil Anderson as a writer. Uh, I like Marcus Warner. As a writer, I like Tim, his dad, as a warrant. As a, as I like Charles Swindoll, as a as. A, in other words, there's different ones where I go theologically. They've been solid for a long time, 
They're not flying all over the place. I would like to see what they have to say about this. So I would say, like anything else, educate yourself. And again, if it starts with, with you know, I had a dream and God appeared to me on a white horse and, and he told me that uh, I had, I'll give you, these are these dreams, but maybe it'll make the point. I had a guy, I had an elder from a, a large Presbyterian church. I'm dogging all Presbyterian churches, so that's not what I'm saying. 13 years, an elder in a Presbyterian church came in and said, God God appeared to me, and he said, I want to tell you about this. And I said, what, what's going on? And he said, he told me they're going to fund the mission that he's given me. And I said, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> he said, no, the players you work with. So this tells you how far back. I was still working with the Seahawks, and I've been out of that since 2015. He said, God told me that you're going to go to the Seahawks, and you are going to raise money uh, to fund my ministry. And I said, what's the ministry? And he said, well, God told me he raised me up and that Christians have it wrong. And I said, they have it wrong? And he said, Muslims have it right. <laughs> wow. And I said, what? And he's totally serious, absolutely serious. And he said, until Christians convert to Islam, God has told me they're not they're going to heaven. So he said, I need, he told me that I'm going to be a world, you know, vicar, you know, I'm going to be the one that he's, he saved this revelation for me, and that he told me you're going to, to get people to fund it. And I said, well, brother, what you're saying biblically is not even close to being true. True. I would never, I don't use the players that way anyway, so that's all that's wrong. So if, if God told you that, I'm wondering how he could get that so wrong. And then I, I said, is God schizophrenic? He said, no. I said, no. Well, why would Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, the life? No man comes to Father. I mean, there's so many verses talking. There's one mediator between God and man, Christ. There's one name given under heaven whereby we can be saved, etc., etc. And I said, you may have had someone really talk to you. I'm not saying that couldn't have happened. Maybe you made it up. But my suggestion would be you go back to Scripture and when you see that the message that you are telling me absolutely contradicts Scripture, you can say, I have an opinion, I have a feeling, but don't say God gave this to me, because he didn't. And he said, so you're not going to help me. And I said, no. And he got up and walked out of my office. Um, what am I saying? Read people who are biblically based, who don't flop around more than the... I've said around here, and I live in Seattle area, and I say the weather changes... It changes so fast. Like, uh, you know, opinions change like a weather sock out at the airport. It blows all over. I'm saying you make sure that what you are standing on has biblical foundation and grounding, or you can be polite. You can still love someone as a brother brother in Christ. You can just say, love you, but I'm just not with you on this one. And I told that guy, I'm sure you love Jesus. You know, you know the gospel, but I think you've been deceived. In the same way in 2 Corinthians 11, people who are following God in purity in their devotion are now teaching a wrong Jesus. They're involved with spirits other than the Holy Spirit. They're preaching the wrong gospel. He never once says they're not believers. He says, what did you do? Their response in 13 to 15 was, well, the teachers came and the ones that had been speaking to us saying they're apostles just like you. So we just accepted it. Now, remember the Bereans? Check the scripture to see if it's so. So, so Stuart, that's where I would go. I would say, first, you don't make it a one-horse a pony where that's all you work with. 
discipleship is still my what I pastor. I'm a pastor of discipleship. Mm-hmm. We've got three different books we go through on transferable discipleship material that I've taught for since the 80s. I just add more material to it. If I can do it, you can do it. Make the stuff with warfare one more thing. But second thing is when you're going to people that are, it's based on my, my natural special gifting and I'm the only one that ever got this message, I'm not reading their material, frankly. I'm gonna, there's enough out there where they're solid, they love Jesus, but they'll say, yep, you work with this. You need to learn how to work with it. Well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I would, like I said, like we could go on and on like this forever. And uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on because I feel like we've only scratched the surface. How can people find you? How can they find your books uh, and uh, any anything else like that? Um, well, my, my website is transferablecrosstraining.org. But I had people years ago say that's too hard to remember. <laughs> so, my see, you're a computer person. I'm not. I am totally at the mercy of people who know what they're doing. So one of the people just changed. He said, okay, they can still get there, but they can just think of carlpain.org. He says, more people remember your name than remember the other. And somehow in the cyberspace world, they've got it where they both hook up. So they can do that. The spiritual warfare book, they can look at, you know, Christian stores, Amazon. Uh, they're more, more than, you know, happy to get that. I've pastored here at Antioch Bible Church for more than 30 years suppose if someone wanted to just call the church and say, is, is Carl there? Um, any, any of that can work. Awesome. Thank well, you. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. See you guys later. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for watching the show. And until next time, God bless. <laughs>